My dad's favorite kitchen implement was the orange squeezer, not the elemental hand squeezer with a serrated cone on which you place half an orange and, pressing hard, turn the orange clockwise, releasing pulp into the container below. His was a 1930s improvement made of dull metal alloy. He put the orange half into a container elevated on a stand, and when he brought the handle down, as if pumping water, a thick metal square squeezed the orange flat so that its juice squirted through an opening. He'd had lots of experience with pump handles, and a pump that squirted orange juice instead of water was better than the well of Cana that turned water into wine. Dad loved to squeeze oranges. He never squeezed people or even touched them. Bodies embarrassed him but oranges he could hold in his hand with impunity. Oranges he loved. That's why we lived in California, and that's how it happened that I was born and my mother died in a kitchen in the middle of an orange grove. California was the romance of my dad's life, and he never got over it. The pull of the West had long ago drawn my lowland Scots ancestors. First across the Irish Sea to County Derry and Tyrone, then across the Atlantic Ocean to Pennsylvania, down the Appalachians to Virginia and on to Ohio and Illinois, beyond the Missouri to Colorado, and finally over the Rockies, stopping only when further west meant east. By the late 19th century, they moved to the galloping rhythm of a St. Andrew's Society versifier who'd somehow got stuck in Philadelphia. To the west, to the west, to the land of the free, where the mighty Missouri rolls down to the sea, where a man is a man even though he must toil, and the poorest may gather the fruits of the soil. They would have been appalled to learn that their descendants were called Scotch-Irish, as if a single one of them would have mingled blood with Pappas when they paused in Ireland on their long roll west. Of all the Scots in the list of begats pasted into our family Bible, the Erskines were the fiercest. Their Calvinism was a straight shot of Knox with no mediating chaser. My father's mother, Carrie Hasada Erskine, was a descendant of Presbyterian dissenters until the ninth and tenth generations, including the Reverend Ebenezer Erskine of Sterling, who in 1743 preached his most famous sermon, Christ considered as the nail fastened to a sure place bearing all the glory of his father's house. The carpentry metaphor was apt for a people compelled to keep moving their father's house from place to place, the better to hammer in Christ the nail. If the housing wars of the 18th century pitched Christ against Satan, Protestant against Catholic, Calvin against the Pope, the street fights were presbyters against one another, each lit by the lamp of God. The moment one Scottish gang split from the main division, the other rose to fight it. New Lichtburgers battled old Lichtburgers until both were attacked by new and old Licht anti-burgers. Such were the wars before the truce of the United Secession Church in 1820 produced the oxymoronic United Presbyterians of America. This was the church and this the stock that spawned a long line of farming ministers and doctors before my father's father, Charles Sumner Harper, dissented from the traditional medicine practiced by his father and left the family farm in Kansas to study osteopathy in Des Moines. From there, he moved on west to Greeley, Colorado, for the sake of his wife's health. In a family photo, I see Grandpa H. in his office, a big, comfortable man who sits in a wooden rocking chair behind a desk that is bare, but for its proud trophy, a telephone. In the companion photo, his wife sits small and erect, with a grin as wide as her side saddle atop her favorite gray workhorse, Minnie, on their nearby farm. 
My dad, Josias Merle Harper, was 30 years old and president of the student body at Colorado State Teachers College in Greeley in 1922 when he met the organist, a music professor five years his senior, named Ruby Hazel Kennedy. Six feet tall, with a bony face, Roman nose, dimpled chin, and ready smile, Merle was an attractive man, a hard worker, and as upright as a fence post. His handsome younger brother, Roy, had graduated the year before, but Dad's studies had been delayed by military service. Roy would go on to find Eden in Brazil as a Presbyterian missionary, but my father had already found it in California. As a naval recruit during World War I, he had been sent to San Francisco Bay to Goat Island, renamed Treasure, and had spent the war in a hospital bed on Mare Island after abdominal surgery for adhesions went awry. Following a medical discharge and a second bout of surgery, he spent the next two years recuperating on his parents' farm and vowing to get back to California. In his senior year, he married the music professor and at graduation moved to paradise, as he'd vowed, with his bride and their month-old baby boy.